Blog Talk Radio.
Shalom, shalom, shalom. My bad, y'all. I was still on mute. Um, welcome to the show, y'all. Hope everybody's healthy. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, welcome to another edition of Swarter Truth Presents Bible Talk, sponsored by ISBHPK, our brother school. Uh, and I want to send shots out to our brother schools um, in VA and Rochester in uh, San Antonio, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Shouts out to Cobb Cobb down in Guatemala. Guatemala. Ugh, a little tongue twisted this morning, y'all. I apologize. Um, if it's your first time tuning into the show, man, I usually do about <clears throat> an hour <clears throat> of current events and news, man. And the current event, oh, my goodness, the current event of the hour is us, man. I'm definitely going to get into that. I'm also joined this morning by my son in the building, Paya Sha'ala, a rare rare appearance. Uh, You want to say something to the people, son? Shalom. All right. I'm also joined by my reader, my wife, as always, Hasadiah. So she's going to sit in for a little bit, y'all. Then she's going to have to head out. Uh, but let's get the show started, man. I got a lot of information to cover, and uh, I don't think I'm going to get to all of it, but I'm going to try, y'all. I'm going to try. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is the prayer we need to be praying on the daily, man, so we can get the hell up out of here, especially this time uh, in this climate that we're in right now, man. We should be praying to get up out of here. Let's get Psalms chapter uh, 118, verse 24. Read that for me, please. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good or sad, happy or bad, man. The most high brought you to it, he's going to bring you through it. We have to accept what we're going through. Uh, The most high bringing you to it to bring you out better on the other side of it, man. So without further ado, y'all, let's get into it. Now, I know y'all have heard about Kanye West, and um, I purposely didn't go into it last week or the week before last. I wanted to get more information on what was going on concerning that situation before I gave my two cents on it, man, and um, even with Kyrie. But this is what I truly believe. The Most High said that uh, his word does not go out void, y'all. And I believe that the Most High is using these two brothers as vessels to wake up Israel. And I say that, too, because I've been listening to uh, a lot of uh, articles, uh, podcasts, YouTube or whatever, just on these brothers and... These brothers, they strike me as brothers that are just coming into the knowledge, man. You know, I was listening to uh, Kazaki's show this weekend, and one of the brothers uh, that was there, he actually said that, and I was like, wow. 
I ain't really considered it. I ain't really think about that. And I don't think we have considered or thought about that, that these brothers are just coming into the knowledge. So they know a little, but they don't know everything. Because you got some brothers that uh, from the Israelite, quote, unquote, community that are uh, bashing these brothers. And you got other brothers trying to uplift them like they the second coming or something. And (laughs) all it really is, man, just to simplify it is the most high is using these brothers as examples, as vessels to wake up the rest of Israel, man. And sadly so, but I'm still rejoicing in the fact that a lot of Israel is waking up. And I say sadly because I myself have been in this knowledge for about 16 years teaching. Meshavah is like 30 plus and other brothers, man. I ain't trying to big up myself and just Meshavah, but it's been brothers teaching this word, man, for 30 years, 40 years. I mean, teaching consistently, YouTube, street corners, classrooms, everywhere. And our people, like the scriptures say, the Jews require a sign. They don't want to listen to us. (laughs) I mean, even in Ezekiel, when the Most High sent Ezekiel to Israel, he said, Ezekiel said, they ain't going to listen to me. And you know what the Most High told him? He said, go anyway, because they don't listen to me. (laughs) <laughs> That's what the most I said He said I'm sending you anyway Ezekiel and you gonna go They ain't gonna listen to you but I'm sending you anyway My children are Stiff stiff necked Hard headed they don't listen they some niggas And we still are To this day and I'm bringing all this, all this Up to say is that all these brothers Been teaching for all these years and our People ain't trying to hear it man But you let some celebrities In high positions Come out and they say it and really don't got all of it. They got bits and pieces and the whole world going crazy. You got the internet going nuts. The whole world is in a frenzy. Over these two brothers who, and Kyrie sound like he's just searching. Because last year he was doing Ramadan. He was a Muslim. It might probably still be. <laughs> who knows? Kanye is, is talking Proof mixed with a bunch of gibberish, and you really can't make sense of it, but he's dropping some very important points. Now, I don't have an issue with neither one of those brothers. I just wish they would be smarter in their approach. And what I mean by that is the scripture says, wise as serpents, harmless as doves. This is what Christ said, right? And matter of fact, I got to get this one. Give me just a second. Because I would prefer that these brothers would be on the down low, man, as far as being Israelites. And I'm going to show you why. I'm going to tell you why. Hold on for a second. Let's get... uh, Let's get St. John chapter 19 and start at, uh, start at verse. Start at verse 37. Let's get a little backdrop. 
John 1937. And when he was come nigh. 19, St. John chapter 19, verse 37. St. John 19 and 37. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. It's talking about Christ. It's talking about Yahweh Shai. Now watch this. This is part I want to get to, y'all. Pay attention. Read. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews. He was what? But secretly for fear of the Jews. He was a disciple of Christ. But secretly he was a disciple. I hope everybody caught that. Christ had secret disciples, people that were in high positions, but they couldn't confess Christ. Because of the position that they were in Or they had fear like this brother Read it again And after this Joseph of Arimathea Being a disciple of Jesus But secretly for fear of the Jews For fear of the who? Jews Our own people This brother was scared of our own people Read Besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus And Pilate gave him leave so this was the brother that came and got the body of Yahweh Shai to go through the burial, the burial process that we did and take Christ to his tomb. We don't. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. But remember, he was a secret disciple. Now, like I said, I would prefer these brothers would be on the low. Be on the low, but get a whole bunch accomplished. Because these brothers could be opening up schools for our children to go to. Have y'all thought about that? They got the money. They got the power and the influence and the resources to do so. So where we can have Israelite schools set up all across the country for our kids to go to, so they ain't got to go to public school and learn about damn holidays no more. And they can get the high holy days off without it being an occurrence or absence. Have y'all thought about that? Why y'all think these brothers are supposed to be all gun-ho and blasting it all over the place? They could be opening up clinics for us that can't afford health care with a focus on natural health or herbalistic health. We got, we got enough herbalists and uh, people in Israel that uh, study natural medicine to form our own clinics But most of us don't have the resources Or the finances to do it But these brothers do You see I hope y'all understand what I'm saying Some of, some people might Oh good hope Well Christ said if you, you confess You confess uh, or don't confess his father Before uh, or deny his father Before people he's going to deny you Before people Yeah the scriptures do say that what the hell do you think Christ was talking about when he said be wise as serpents, homeless as doves? Hell, we can go all the way back to the story of Esther. You remember Mordecai told Esther not to reveal her kindred to the Persian Medes? Remember that? He told her twice, don't tell them who you are. And at the last minute, when it mattered, she revealed who she was, man. We got to read the Bible, y'all. Anyway, so let, I'm going to touch on these topics. Read this one right here for me, please. 
from etonline.com. Kanye West loses billionaire status as Adidas Gap cut ties after anti-Semitic comments. Now, this, this dude had multi-million dollar deals with shoe companies and damn clothing lines. Just imagine if he would have found out he was an Israelite and kept it on the low and invested that money, like I said, in some clinics and some schools. As of October 25th, 2022, Kanye West has officially lost his billionaire status. Forbes reported Tuesday that West is no longer on their billionaires list now that his partnership with Adidas is over. The sportswear company officially decided to end their partnership with West, releasing a statement Tuesday saying it does not tolerate anti-Semitism and any other sort of hate speech, calling West's recent, recent comments unacceptable, hateful, and dangerous. And now, I've seen the Dream Champs interview. None he said was hateful. He listed the truth. He listed how the, the, the Jewish people own everything, and we don't own nothing. He even went so far as to say he don't blame them for the way they help each other out. He said we should be doing the same thing. It was nothing hateful about what he said. He spoke the truth, but as we well know, truth is not possible. I'm, I'm sorry. Truth is not acceptable or popular this day and age. That's why they, they're coming against history, calling the damn critical race theory. The truth is critical race theory. But, you know, the so-called white man is so damn sensitive. You know, the, the sister, I didn't call her sister, but the white woman, Beverly D'Angelo, she was right on point when she wrote that book called White Fragility. She talked about how fragile white people get when you call them racist or you talk about their history. They get very damn fragile, like these fake Jews. And yes, I did say, and I'm going to prove everything I'm saying. Anyway, go ahead with the article. The company said it has decided to immediately end its partnership with West after a thorough review. Adidas said West comments violated the company's values of diversity and inclusion, mutual respect and fairness. Foot Locker has also taken Yeezy off its shelves with a Foot Locker Inc. spokesperson telling ET, Foot Locker Inc. does not tolerate any form of anti-Semitism or hateful and discriminatory behavior. So they didn't pull all his brother endorsements, all his stuff that he was doing, Meanwhile, Brett Farr just stole millions from welfare, but he still got that damn Copperfield commercial. <laughs> Dang bull <for> that. <laughs> you see, it's different rules for us, man. They vilify us, but they get to do their stuff on the DL, and they can still be broadcasters. They can still do whatever they're doing. Now, read the other one about uh, Kyrie. And I'm zipping through these kind of fast, y'all, because like I said, I got a lot of information to cover. Yeah, that's the one. From the New York Times, Nets suspend Kyrie Irving indefinitely after anti-Semitic movie post. Anti-Semitic what? Movie post. Was it something he said? Movie post. Was it something he did? Was it something he did? Mm-mm. What was it? He posted a movie. He posted a damn movie. You know, like... Netflix is a platform, right? And what do they do on Netflix? They post movies. <laughs> they post documentaries. 
and some good documentaries. But I don't see nobody trying to shut them down. I don't see nobody coming up talking about how the Jeffrey Dahmer documentary or movie just made them feel some kind of way, and now they got to take it down, and now Netflix is being removed. Hell, YouTube. What do YouTube do? They post movies. His brother posted a damn movie. We know. Irving posted a link to an anti-Semitic movie last week but had not apologized until hours after the Nets suspended him for a minimum of five games. They suspended him, and now they're drawing attention to how he didn't apologize to hours later. What about years later? Y'all remember when uh, Billy Clint apologized for slavery, I think it was? I should have found that and brought it up. Years, hundreds of years later. I didn't see nobody say nothing about that. Mention the late apology. But you're mad at this dude because he issued a late apology when he shouldn't have issued an apology at all. He posted a damn movie and then even went so far to say he didn't necessarily agree with everything that was in the movie. He even voiced his opinion. And America, is they're so hypocritical. They talk about freedom of speech. Ain't no damn such thing as freedom of speech. I, I told y'all this shows ago. Everything that comes out of your mouth has a consequence. That's deceptive to say you can say what you want to say, because if you can say what you want to say, they wouldn't be removing people for hate speech off social platforms. Stop. Now, this is the next organization, the same organization that just hired, I forget the dude, I can't pronounce his name, but he was the head coach of the Boston Celtics, a do-mate. And you remember he was in the news just a couple of weeks back about how he was committing adultery with one of the, his coworkers at the Boston organization, a married Mormon lady. And everybody's talking about how he did, Neil Long, whoop, 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 whatnot. And they just released the, the uh, late Mormon's uh, lady pitcher. But you know that this dude just got offered a job and took the job the next organization offered him. This is an this is an adulterer, by the way. And the Boston Celtics made it to the finals last year. I guess that's why they're looking over his adulterous behavior, his immoral immoral behavior, and giving him a damn job. But Kyrie posted a damn video that was not necessarily his opinion, and now he's not fit to be part of the Nets organization. But this adulterer is. I hope y'all seeing this. Read on in the article. Published November 3rd, 2022. Updated November 4th, 2022. The Nets suspended guard Kyrie Irving indefinitely Thursday, calling him unfit to be associated with the team because he had declined to say he has no anti-Semitic views in the week since he posted a link on Twitter to a film with hateful claims about Jewish people. No. The film they're, they're talking about, y'all, is called From Hebrew, a Negro to Hebrews. I think that's the name of it. I might be butchering it. I have not seen the video. 
I watched some of it like years back because it's been on the internet. This ain't nothing new. I watched some of it, probably like 30 minutes a couple of years back, maybe a year ago. And I was like, man, I'm glad these brothers put this together. This was nice. But I ain't going to front, y'all. This is what we've been teaching for years. The movie is like basic Israelite one-on-one. And, and I hate using that term, but it really, that's the basics. But understanding that the basics, like I said this once before, are very deep to individuals that don't know who they are. And I applaud those brothers for making the movie, and I'm glad it's getting recognition like it is getting right now. But my issue with Kyrie is Kyrie should have just said, no, I'm not anti-Semitic. He said some stuff about if I I know who I am, I I can't be anti-Semitic or whatever. He should have just said no because technically he would have been right because we're – when they say anti-Semitic, what they're saying is shem, shem, shemetic is what they're saying. I'm going to read that. (laughs) They're saying – Shemitic. We we come from Shem. I'm gonna go over that in a second. We come from Shem, so we can't be against ourselves. This is what Kyrie was basically saying in a nutshell, roundabout way. But he just should have said no and kept doing. But he kept learning, kept learning, brother. If this if this podcast reaches you by some extraordinary event and orchestration of the hands of the Most High, I'm telling you. Find a school, brother, and get taught. Keep learning. The Internet ain't going to do it all for you. Kyrie, I mean, uh, Kanye as well. Now, let's get uh, the other article I got, the Council of uh, Pro. Okay. Pro, United States Government Program from Britannica.com. So this is off of Britannica, y'all. And this is going to the program that the FBI set up called COINTELPRO. Now listen to this. COINTELPRO in full counterintelligence program. Counterintelligence program conducted by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, from 1956 to 1971 to discredit and neutralize organizations considered subversive to U.S. political stability. What what was the goal of this organization, of this program? To discredit and neutralize organizations considered subversive to U.S. political stability. To to discredit people. I bring this up because they say that this program ended in, I think, the 70s. 1971. But it's still going on. It's just on a broader scale. They use the fourth branch of the government, which is the media. Yeah, y'all didn't know it was four branches of the government? Yeah, the media is the fourth branch. Big shout-out to my man in Mortal Technique. But, yeah, it's the fourth branch of the government, and they're using that program, the Cointel Pro, to make these celebrities, the brother Kanye and the brother Kyrie, look bad. I hope y'all getting this. Read that part again. To discredit and neutralize organizations considered subversive to U.S. political stability. I'm going to discredit you so nobody else listens to you. I'm going to say that you're full of hate, that you hate people, you're angry black. I'm going to say whatever I can say to get people not to listen to you. Read on. 
It was covert and often used extra legal means to criminalize various forms of political struggle and derail several social movements, such as those for civil rights and Puerto Rican independence. Where you at? All right. So she got to go, y'all. So I'm going to jump in. Cointel Pro operations were initiated against various organizations, including Communist Party, Socialist Workers Party, Puerto Rican Nationalist Party, Black Panther Party, and y'all probably more, more uh, familiar with them infiltrating the Black Panther Party, but they also infiltrated the Muslims. They also, they also in, infiltrated uh, King's organization, too. It says American Indian Movement, Southern Christian Leadership Conference, and the Ku Klux Klan tactics include intense surveillance, organizational infiltration, organizational infiltration. That's what I want to focus on, y'all, and y'all going to see why. It says um, anonymous mailings and police harassment. These programs were exposed in 1971 when the Citizens Commission to investigate the FBI burglarized an FBI office in Media, Pennsylvania, stole confidential files, and then released them to the press. More information regarding COINTELPRO was later obtained through the federal, I'm sorry, through the Freedom of Information Act lawsuit lodged against the FBI by the Black Panther Party and the SWV, and statements by agents who came forward to confess their counterintelligence activities. So they basically told them themselves. Now, remember I said organizational infiltration. This is, well, matter of fact, this is what they did. This is part of the uh, COINTELPRO operations, the organizational infiltration. Keep that in mind, y'all. Now, let me get this. So this is from um, ADL. ADL is the, um, damn, what does it stand for? Uh, Anti-Defamation League Anti-Defamation League Okay, ADL Now this one right here, y'all Oof. This is warning right here, y'all This is a bomb I'm about to drop Anti-Defamation League, and the headline reads, Extremist Sex Within the Black Hebrew-Israelite Movement. Extremist Sex Within the Black Hebrew-Israelite Movement, all right? Key points. Black Hebrew-Israelites are not the same as black Jews or Jews of color. Not all black Hebrew-Israelite organizations are anti-Semitic or extremists. The Black Hebrew Israelite movement is divided into organizations or sects that operate semi-independently across the United States. Black Hebrew Israelites believe that they are the true Israelites 
and that the 12 tribes of Israel are people of color. Popular activities include street teachings and public speaking events. Extremist sects heavily rely on social media to spread information and uh, coordinate activities. Background. The black Hebrew Israelites, and they they label us as BHI, (laughs) what an insult, movement is a fringe religious movement that rejects widely accepted definitions of Judaism and asserts that that people of color are the true children of Israel. Followers who are referred to as black Hebrews or or Hebrew Israelites believe that blacks, Hispanics, and Native Americans are the descendants of the 12 tribes of Israel. It should be noted that not all BHI adherents include Native American populations in the 12 tribes. Did y'all hear that? So they're talking about those camps that are uh, black or uh, Judah only or black only uh, Hebrew Israelites. You know, the brothers that say that uh, the natives and the Latinos are not our people. Those brothers, that's who they're talking about. But they are, but they all agree that white people are uh, conversionally accepted Jews or not uh, members of the tribes. This is a departure from the mainstream understanding of the 12 tribes as a reference to Jacob's 12 sons who each represent a different genealogical genealogical thread of the Jewish population. Similarly, adherents of the white supremacist Christian identity movement also claim to be members of the lost tribes of Israel. So, yeah, it is a, a bunch of white uh, folks, Edomites, who claim that they the 12 tribes and do wrote a whole book on it. But I don't get into that right now. But I hope y'all are seeing that we've been infiltrated. <laughs> and remember, that was part of the COINTELPRO. Um, that was part of their movement or part of their tactics was to infiltrate an organization from within and get their intelligence. So I'm reading this, y'all. We've been infiltrated a thousand times over. They know a lot of stuff in great detail. I'm going to get to that in a second. But it would be ignorant of us to think that we haven't been infiltrated, that there aren't agents amongst us. All right? I want you all to understand this. It says black Hebrew Israelites are not Jews, and black Jews are not the same as black Hebrew Israelites. Black Hebrew Israelites, read it again, black Hebrew Israelites are not Jews, and black Jews are not the same as black Hebrew Israelites. Black Jews and Jews of color are genuine members of the Jewish faith. Black Hebrew Israelites identify specifically with the biblical Israelites and consider Judaism, Christianity, and Islam to be false religions. Many black Hebrew Israelite teachers claim that the Jews and other white people force black individuals into other religions. Extreme fractions believe white Jews 
or or perpetuating identity theft. Black Hebrew Israelites believe they are members of the 12 tribes based on the biblical interpretations that teachings that their population will be spread across the globe, which they tie to the transatlantic slave trade. Black Hebrew Israelites presents slavery, racism, incarceration, and other social ills as divine punishments for disobedience that can only be cured through black Hebrew-like, Israelite ideology. That is not what we believe. We believe that those curses can only be cured by the most high God of the Bible. So then they have, it says, many BHI teachings use verses from the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Torah and the King James Bible to tell the story of Israelites from the Old Testament and to give a biblical explanation for the transatlantic slave trade. Deuteronomy 28, verse 15 through 68. So they got this, y'all. Infiltrated. We've been infiltrated. Uh, They're also going to have Revelation chapter 1 and verse 15. Now, let me get to, uh, let me see. Man, there's so much in this article. I can't get all of it, y'all. It's ADL. That's the article. Um, Anti-Defamation League. They go into the Edomites, what we believe about the Edomites, uh, history of American black Hebrew Israelite groups. Black Hebrew Israelite ideology is rooted in French interpretations of the enslavement and uh, mistreatment of black individuals throughout history including the belief that God punished disobedient Israelites by spreading their nation and their descendants across the world via the slave trade. Um, while black Hebrew Israelites hold white people responsible for slave for the slave trade, some teachings place importance on the actions of Israelites that lead to their punishment and how acceptance of the ideology <laughs> will put them back into God's good graces. Mm. So they said this dude by the name of Gabriel Gabriel Prosser, who was enslaved in Virginia, is credited with preaching the earliest uh, itinerations of black Hebrew Israelite ideology. Prosser, who studied the Bible, is best known for the sparking a slave rebellion in 1800. So they go all the way back, y'all. Then they go up to 1880s. Um, I ain't gonna read all this, y'all. I'm just gonna get to the good parts. They got a brother in here, 1896, William Saucer Crowley in Lawrence, Kansas. Then they got 20th century. They have the commandment keepers, then I meet, then Israel's. Israelite congregation and the Israeli school. Then they have Arthur Matthews, founder of the Commandment Keepers in 1919, Harlem, New York. They go into Ben Ami. 
<clears throat> check this out. The, is, the Israeli school not connected to the African Hebrew Israelites founded in the 1960s in Harlem was produced, uh, has produced active splinter factions that propagate some of the BHIs of black Hebrew Israelites, most extreme racist, militant, and anti-Semitic ideologies. Abba Bivens, a former commandment keeper congregant created the Israeli school in an explicit effort to reinstate more extreme teachings branded as One West or One West because of its address in Harlem. The group became a dominant racist and extremist group or voice. Operating in the late 1990s under the name of the Israeli School of Universal and Practical Knowledge, the group amplified its extreme and racist rhetoric, uh, a pop, a popular military teachings and uh, radical superiority pushed the ideology away from its origins and towards the hate we see today. These teachings uh, provided to be a source of conflict for congregants. In the early 2000s, the group splintered further into multiple extreme fractions. So they're talking about the split. Most notable, the original school was renamed the Israeli Church of God and Jesus Christ, ICGJC. So they go all the way back to our business. They talk about the split. They get into more detail about the split. And then they have active extremist factions of us, right? The first one listed, Israel United in Christ. All right? So they know us, y'all. It's not a secret. So then they go into the founder, Nathaniel Ray, a.k.a. Bishop Nathaniel Ben Israel. So IUIC is mentioned first, then Israelite School of Universal Practical Knowledge, ISUPK, home of the truth. Then they go into how it came from one west, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, let me see. They don't have his name in here. Oh, yeah, they do. And one Westerner, General Yohanna, a.k.a. John Lightborn. Then they have True Holocaust, the Israelite Church of God and Jesus, ICG, uh, ICGJC, who's listed next. Then they have our brothers Sakari. <laughs> Hebrew Israelites, a.k.a. the Sakari, a.k.a. Exodus 1715. Uh, originally California-based group. Let me see if they got his name in here. They even got Yahweh Hashem, Yahweh Shai. I mean, man, like I said, we've been infiltrated, y'all. Then they have the House of Israel, H-O-I. They got Zabak in here. Mm. Let me see. They don't even have uh, Gorilla Hebrew's name in here. 
Mm, I guess they don't know that much. Okay. They know enough, though, right? Um, then they got True Nation, Israelite Congregation, a.k.a. True Nation. Israelite Saints of Christ, a.k.a. ISOC. Uh, who else they got? So that, that's all the groups that they got listed. Then they got criminal activity, <laughs> violent criminal activity, which which is some trumped-up mess. But I advise everyone, you call yourself a Hebrew reader like, man, go on and read this. So it's uh, adl.org. And once again, the title is, let me go to the top. The title is Extremist Sex Within the Black Mm -hmm. People Israelite Movement. So I want y'all to ponder on that for a second. I'm going to take a a real short break, y'all. I apologize, but nature is calling, man. Uh. I'll be right back, y'all. All right, y'all, I'm back. So <laughs> I'm gonna let this soak in, y'all. Now remember, this article came from um, Anti Defamation League, right? Now watch this. I want to get this right here, and this is out of a book titled "Who Is Esau? Who Is Edom?" by Charles Charles A. Uh, Wiseman. All right. And I'm going to go to page uh, 22, and it reads, it says, The hatred by God towards Esau is attributed that the human heart cannot accept or embrace. I'm sorry, let me read it again from the top. This hatred by God towards Esau is an attribute that the human heart cannot accept or embrace, and therefore many will try to explain it away. So what the author is talking about is how God says in the Bible that he hates Esau. And it's written several times, but he cites the scripture in Romans chapter 9, verse 13, 
As it was written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. So he goes on to say, this hatred by God towards Esau is an attribute that the human heart cannot accept or embrace, and therefore many will try to explain it away. Thus, scores of theologians theologians have avoided this truth of Scripture or have whitewashed it into something more appealing to human nature. All right, so he's saying how, because you know they always say, well, God is love, God is love, God is love, and they will always avoid the Scripture, right? Well, he's saying that you can't avoid it. It's basically what he's saying. Now, I'm going to jump over to page 23, and I'm getting to the point, y'all. Stay with me. It says, there is not one favorable or positive statement in the Bible in relations to Esau Edom. But how does this adverse relationship with God has towards, I'm sorry, but how does this adverse relationship which God has towards Esau Edom help us to identify who this character is in the world today? To help us answer this, we have we have to put ourselves into the role which Esau has been assigned in God's script. So what he's saying is the Bible's factual, and we have to find out who these people are. But in order to do so, we got to put ourselves in their place. He says, if God hated you and your ancestors, how would you react, and what would you do? By natural reaction, you would be against God and his people and try to prevent them from finding out you are Esau, the one God is against, knowing that if God is against something, so will his followers. Who is it that tries to conceal their identity as Edom, the one hated by God, by claiming to be Israel? The one loved by God, only one group of people reacts as though God has a hatred for them. That is the Jews. Now, this is what this dude, is, and this is a white dude that wrote this. He said, this is, this is the Jews. Hold on, y'all. All right. Let me read on in this book. Why do you suppose the Jews form organizations such as the Anti-Defamation League? Remember, I just read that article from the Anti-Defamation League. And this author says, why do you suppose the Jews form organizations such as the Anti-Defamation League to monitor and combat hate and to identify hate groups? Because that's what they label us as, a hate group. Would not Esau, and when they say extremists, that's another, basically another word for saying you're a hate group. It says, would not Esau want to do this? Why is it that it is predominantly Jews who promote the anti-hate law, other hate crime legislation? If you were Esau Edom, would, would you not do the same as Edomite? And Edomites would also want to infiltrate churches. Y'all hear this? This dude is, he said everything I just said. And read. 
All right, page 24, it continues. It says, and seminars to get God's people to believe that there is no God of hate. Y'all hear this? This dude said that they they have infiltrated organizations, church groups, to get people to believe that God don't hate people. Only a God of love and mercy. The Jews have done just that in Christendom, in Christendom, Christian Christendom. My bad, y'all. The Edomite Jews of today are the main ones who are concerned about hate, and with good reason. They are desperately trying to suppress all hate, even any acts or words that could be constructed as causing mental anguish. (laughs) So when you see them, or when you you see or hear them say anti-Semitic, that's their cold word. That's their cold word for attack this dude. Let's attack him. Y'all remember how they attacked Nick Cannon, right? And made him back into their little boy, put him back in check. He had to issue that apology. The same thing they doing to Kanye and Kyrie right now. When you hear them mention that anti-Semitic, you best believe it's going to be a campaign to discredit whoever said anything about them that was true. And it was not flattering. So really, no. In response to their role as being the people against whom the Lord was, uh, has, I'm sorry. In response to their role as being the people against whom the Lord has indignation for ever, the Jews have made the concept of hate a taboo. It's taboo to speak of them. It says the Jew elite, I'm sorry, the Jew, Eli Wesley, stated on public television that even hate of hate is dangerous. (laughs) This is an example of how paranoid the Edomite Jews are regarding God's hatred of them and the length they will go to eliminate from the minds of God's people any aspect of the identity, I'm sorry, of the ideal of hate. Yes, God hates and has indignation for the Edomite Jews. And if and if any dare take God's side on this matter, they will be met with great opposition and persecution from those who believe the Edomite Jews are God's chosen people. Now, once again, man, I'm going to give you the, the name of the book and the author so you can go pick it up yourself. The, the name of the book is called who is Esau slash Edom? The author's name is Charles A. Wiseman. All right? White dude wrote this, man. Can't make this stuff up. Now, let's go to Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. Because the Bible even told us the same thing. So Second Thessalonians chapter 2, let me start at verse 1. It says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. So Paul said, I'm begging you, brethren, by the coming of Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Because we as black people, Hispanics, 
as Americans, we've gathered under a lot of things, but we have not gathered together under Christ, under the Most High. And I'm talking the, the, the God of the Bible and his son of the Bible. I ain't talking about religion or ideology. I'm talking about factual information, historical accounts. We have not gathered under that. Verse 2. It says that ye be not soon shaken in mind. So everything that's going on, y'all, y'all shouldn't be shook by this. Paul told us this. He said that that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, <laughs> neither by spirit nor by word. By word of what? Y'all anti-Semitic, y'all a hate group, y'all an extremist group. He said don't be shaken by this. He says nor by letter as from us. So Paul is even telling you, don't be shook by his letter or his epistle that he wrote to us thousands of years ago. He says, as that the day of Christ is at hand. And this is where we at, y'all. Israel is waking up on a mass scale now because of the brother Kyrie Irving, because of Kanye West. And, and, it, you, and, and you would think there would be, because brothers out on the street corner teaching, brothers on YouTube teaching, brothers in the classroom teaching, brothers at the job teaching or whatever, but that ain't even it. <clears throat> I mean, all of that played a part. I'm not discrediting those brothers. But it took somebody of stature, somebody uh, nationally, worldwide re- recognized to get Israel to, to, to scratch their head and say, you know, I knew something was off. Oh, this is who I am? Oh, man, I didn't know this. Wow. To the point to where now, the brother in the heart hit me up the other day. He's saying, man, I got people calling me, apologizing to me because I dropped the truth on them years ago, and they said I was crazy. But they called and apologized and said, man, you was right. Everything you said was right. I'm sorry I ignored you. Apologizing now. And this brother, been like he's been in knowledge since he was 18 and coming to class and learning. And to the point where he's teaching now. But they dismissed him as crazy, as they do all of us. But the day of Christ is at hand, man. Israel's waking up, which means we're getting closer to the end, y'all. If the Christ actually coming back, we might actually get to see him in our lifetime. Or maybe in our children's lifetime. Who knows, man? Nobody knows the hour. Verse 3, it says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. So he said that Christ coming back, Israel waking up, it ain't going to happen unless what? We fall away, and we have fell away. This is why we run up in all the damn churches. This is why we run up in the mosques. We run into some ideology or we chasing wealth to some political party because we have fell away from our true in- intended purpose which was to serve the Most High and keep his commandments. It tells us that in Ecclesiastes, the last chapter. When Solomon said, let us hear the conclusion of the matter, he said, uh, serve the Most High and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of the most, uh, the whole duty of man, is what he said. The whole duty of us was to keep God's commandments, y'all, from the beginning. So he says, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. The word perdition means hell. 
the son of hell, the son of Satan, man, is who? Nobody but your very own, loosely referred to as the so-called white man. It's them, man. Keeping in mind that when I say the son of Satan, the word Satan means adversary. When we say that he's the devil the Bible speaks of, the word devil means deceiver. He's the deceiver, man. He's the adversary. Not each other, but him. We all have a common enemy, y'all. Reading on verse 4, it says, Who opposed and exalted himself above all that is called God. Man, this can't be talking about nobody else but him. He, he, it says, who opposed and exalted himself. Who opposes a man and a woman being together? And I say oppose because it's a subtle opposition to that by way of the letter people, the LGBTQ, whatever they call themselves, that movement. They oppose what the Most High created. They don't want to tell you you can be who you want to be in whatever body you want to be. You can have whatever pronoun attached to your name that you think fits you. The hell with truth, the hell with biology, (laughs) it's all about your imagination. You can be what you want to be. Verse 4 again, it says, Who opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped? So, and they talk about uh, they took church out of school. And they did. I remember going to school. You used to have to, you didn't have to, but they had prayer where you could pray before the day. They, it gave you some consciousness of God. No, it was not the true God of the Bible, but you still had some type of consciousness that there was a higher power other than you in the school that you went to. It says, so that he, as God, seated in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, man. And that's what they've become. It's like I said, it keeps talking about other people, man. Who's created genetically modified foods? I call it mortified because there ain't no life in it. But who's created that? Who's created this new thing of what? A couple should look like Who's went so far as to say That this brand new Man made couple Could now adopt kids and raise kids Who's got women Playing Men's sports As a man Or vice versa Hell I just read an article where uh, They put some trainee In a female prison And he got a couple of the inmates pregnant Hmm Who's created this, man? They can't be talking about nobody else. Verse 5. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. This is what Paul said. Paul said, I told y'all this was going to happen. Like I said, this thousands of years ago. Paul told us this, but it's still in effect to this day. It's still in effect right now, man. So, y'all, those are the current events, and that's what's been on my mind, and I just had to get it out there. And ironically, it flows right into the class entitled Never Wax Pale, week before last. And I believe I left off in Genesis chapter 10, 
And we're going to go back and do a recap. So now, if you're just tuning in, I finished my hour of current events and news, and I'm transitioning over to the class. And like I said, the current events and the news actually go right along with the class. So small recap from last week. I got to get this. So I don't know if y'all knew, man, but everybody in the world has their beginning in the Bible. Contrary to the the big idiotic bang theory that people think, they think that uh, something organized came from complete chaos. It's nonsense. Everybody's beginning started in the Bible. So I want to get that. So Genesis chapter 10, which is um, also referred to as the table of nations. And it's referred to as the table of nations because this was after the flood and when the earth got repopulated, when nations got repopulated. So Genesis chapter 10 and verse 1, it says, Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And unto them were born sons, I'm sorry, and unto them were sons born after the flood. So this, like I said, after the flood. Now, let me jump down. Matter of fact, yeah, verse 5. It says, um, yeah, by these were the isles of the Gentile. Matter of fact, let me get a better one. Mm-hmm. I'm a, so I'm going to jump around a little bit, y'all. We're in Genesis chapter 10, and I'm jumping. Let's go all the way to the last verse. It says, these are the families of the sons of Noah. After their generation and their nation." And by these were the nations divided, not brought together, but divided in the earth after the flood. So Noah's three sons repopulated the earth. I hope everybody gets this. This is where everybody's beginnings come from. Excuse me. Now let's jump down to verse 6. And the sons of Ham, Cush, which would be your modern-day Ethiopian, and Mizraim. This is where we get the... the, um, Mizraim is Egypt, y'all. And Mizraim means misery, um, restraint, held back. So this is talking about Egypt. Mizraim is Egypt. It says, and Put. Put would be North Africa. It says, and Canaan. That would be South Africa. All right? So these are the sons of Ham. Now let's go to the Zonavan. Let me get it. Page 213, and we're going to look up the definition of ham. And the reason I'm doing this, y'all, is because there are certain religions, the Mormons, they believe that black, so-called black people are the sons of ham and that our skin colors are cursed because ham was cursed. But that ain't the curse that came upon ham, and we're going to find out who ham really is or was and his descendants. So Ham, this is from the Zondervan Compact Bible Dictionary, page 213. It says Ham, the youngest son of Noah, born probably about 96 years before the flood and one of eight persons to live through the flood. He became the progenitor, the word progenitor means father, of the dark races, not the Negroes. Y'all hear that? He ain't the father of the Negroes, though. But the Egyptians, remember Mizraim, that's what he's talking about, the Ethiopians, 
Cush, Libyans, that's uh, North Africa, and Canaanites, South Africa. So that's who Ham is the father of. Remember said, not the Negroes. So us so-called blacks here in the Americas are not descendants of Ham. And Ham, and the nations I named, y'all, are all African nations. So that would make Ham the father of the Africans, not us. I hope everybody's seeing this. All right. So with that understanding, now let's go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. So Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, and, yep, I'm going back to creation. And if you didn't know, chapter Genesis chapter 2 is a recap of chapter 1, and it gives a little bit more detail. But let's get Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Come on, man. So you ask yourself, what color is the dust of the ground? It's many different shades of brown. It's not just one color of brown, and brown being the topic, <laughs> being the point that the dust or the ground is many different shades of brown, from a light, uh, sandy brown to a deep potting soil brown. But this is what the original man, which was Adam, was made from, y'all, from the dirt of the earth, which gives you what? Gives you color. And we just found out that Noah's son, Ham, was the father of the Africans. And what color are the Africans? they brown people. They black and brown people. But we found out that Ham was not the progenitor or the father of the Negroes. And we're reading how the first man, Adam, was a man of color, and Noah came from that genealogy. So that would make Noah what? A man of color. So not just Ham was a man of color, but all Noah's three sons were men of color. I hope everybody is understanding this. So if his three sons, all of them were men of color, then that meant that means that all nations are of color, including Noah's lineage, which spread down to Shem. Shem was a man of color. I hope we get this. This is very important. Like I said earlier, when they say anti-Semitic, they're really saying anti-Shemitic meaning coming from Shem. All right. Now I want to go to another book, another source of information, a secular source, Sex and Race by J.A. Rogers, Volume 1. And I'm going to read this, y'all. I want y'all to pay close attention. Now we just got out of the Bible, how everybody in the Bible are people of color, except for one group of people, and I'm going to get to that. So this is out of Sex and Race, Volume 1, by J.A. Rogers, page 91. Now listen to this. European painters and sculptors, matter of fact, let me read the headlines, or the chapter, the title chapter. It's, uh, it's a chapter 9. It says, were the Jews originally Negroes? Question mark. So this is the title of the chapter, were the Jews originally Negroes? And it says, European painters and sculptors, by their use of white models, white models, to typify biblical characters, have falsified tremendously, 
the physiology of the ancient Jews. Y'all hear this? They falsified it. Meaning what? The biblical characters of black people, y'all. I hope y'all understanding this. Marino, we are familiar with the scores of portraits offered to us as Christ. But do good Christians ever stop to think what he really looked like? Josephus, first century historian. I already brought Josephus out. We're going to bring it out again. It says, first century historian described him as dark-skinned and simple in appearance. So Josephus described Christ as dark-skinned, simple in appearance. Now watch this. In the Hylotus, and it means uh, gathered work, suppressed portion of his work. So Josephus described Christ as a man of color, a dark-skinned man, but that was in his suppressed work, meaning they took it out. They took it out of the Bible. I'm sorry. They took it out of the Josephus, y'all. I'm going to get into that. Now watch this. Solomon, too, is portrayed as a white man, though it though in the songs attributed to him speaks of himself as black but calmly. After visiting most of the leading galleries of Europe and America, so this brother travels, the only realistic painting of an eastern crown that I have ever seen is Christ and Barabbas by Violet in the Royal Museum of Antwerp, where the mob is clamoring for Barabbas in preference to Christ. Solomon, too, is always painted white. The only picture I have ever seen of him as a Negro was in a certain luxurious palace of Chitoria in Paris. So this is this brother's account, but we just read it out of the Bible how Noah's three sons of people of color and everybody came. The earth was repopulated by his three sons, y'all. Everybody came. Either a Shemite, a Japhethite or a Hamite. All right, I know we've heard that nonsense about a Negroid, a Caucasoid, and Mongoloid. That's nonsense. If you're on the planet right now, you either, like I said, a Shemite, a Japhethite, or a Hamite. Want us to understand that? Now let's get Exodus chapter one. Let me try to speed up a little bit, y'all. I'm kind of pressed for time. I got a lot of information I want to get to. So Exodus chapter 1, it's kind of difficult not having a reader. Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1, verse 1. Now, these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man in his household came with Jacob. So what we're about to read is the story of Exodus, right? And it tells you about how the children of Israel came into Egypt. Reading on. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulon, and Benjamin, Dan, and Nathali, Gad, and Asher, and all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all the congregation, and sorry, and all that generation. 
And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now, also, I want, want us to keep in mind that Israel, the man Israel, who had these 12 sons, his lineage goes all the way back to Shem, which was Noah's son, which means what? He was a man of color, which meant what? His children were men of color, keeping that in mind. And there around other people of color, the Egyptians, which are the sons of Ham, already covered that. So you have black people about to be enslaved by other black people, but they're different. They're not the same. I want us to get this straight, man, because you look around the globe and you will see, like, for example, the East Indian man. Y'all have seen East Indians, you know, with the dots on their forehead, with the accent that I just cannot stand. Do you get them on the, on the phone call when you call your uh, cell phone carrier about an issue that you got? or call your bank or whatever. They do a lot of telemarketing and they work call centers. Them people, you know the people that's across the street in them apartments at UTSA? <laughs> no, is the UTSA? No. What's the insurance company? Um, damn, Arkai, you on here. What's the uh, insurance company? USA. No, wait a minute. Is it? No. What's the damn insurance company? This is the work for him. Well, anyway, the East Indian man, yeah, USAA. <laughs> That's the name of that short couple. So here's San Antonio. There's a bunch of them that live at the these apartments across the street from there. And you see them, and they look like black folks, man. They do. Skin, this is dark as eyes, man. Or y'all ever seen an Arab man? Some of the air, some of the original airs are still around, but skin darker than you and mine, man. Or hell, some of the uh, Chinese and Japanese people, and they are people of color, man. You don't believe me? Click on YouTube and check them out. So all the the world are people of color except for one person. I'm gonna get to them. One nation. Anyway, reading on in this story, verse eight. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there followed out any wars, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. So here I read this verse to show you that this dude that's saying this is making a distinction between the Israelites and the Egyptians, the same people. Keep that in mind, y'all. Verse 11. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Ramsey treasure cities, pitmos, and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel, and the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, not the same people. Hope we getting this, y'all. Uh, also, there's a documentary on Netflix, I believe it's called uh, Hidden Patterns, The Story of Exodus. It goes in great detail about this event actually happening in history. Check it out, y'all. Verse 14, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All, this, all their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. 
And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, listen to this, y'all, of which the name of the one was Safar and the name of the other Pua. And he said, when ye do the office of the midwives to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. So ask yourself, if the Egyptians, if the Egyptians and the Hebrews were the same people, the same race, why would they be killing each other like this? Or why would the Egyptians be trying to kill the Hebrews? Now listen to what these women said. Verse 17. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men's children alive. So they weren't going to kill their own people. Verse 18. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, why have ye done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwife said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew children, the Hebrew women, now listen to what she said, because the Hebrew women are not as the as the Egyptian women, for they are lively, and are delivered her, the midwives come in unto them. So here they're letting you know there's a difference between the Hebrews and the Egyptians. Now, remember, we were called Hebrews because we spoke the language of Hebrew, which came from our forefather, Abraham. Let me get that real quick. So this is Genesis chapter 14 and verse 13. And there came one that had escaped and told Abraham the Hebrew. So Abraham was referred to as a Hebrew. Why? Because he spoke the language of Hebrew. All right? We were referred to or are referred to as Hebrew Israelites because Hebrew is our language. Israelite is our nationality. So here in Exodus, these women are being referred to as Hebrews because they were, but they were Hebrew Israelites. I want us to understand this is very important. All right. Now, let's jump on to Exodus chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. You are way too loud, sir. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. So this is talking about Moses, y'all. All right? So I'm going to jump forward a little bit. Verse 11 came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren. Who was his brethren? Those Israelites, all right, not the Egyptians. He says, and looked on their burdens, and he spied an, e an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. And you read on in the story, and you find out how Moses actually killed the Egyptian for beating on his brother, the Israelite, the Hebrew Israelite. All right? Stay with me, y'all. I'm getting to a point. So let's go into the Josephus now. And we're going to Josephus, uh, page 68. And I'm sorry, I didn't get the, uh, I didn't write down the book and chapter. I'm going to get there, and I'm going to let y'all know where I'm at. So we're going to Josephus, page 68. How much time on that? Oh, damn, this time go by quick. Uh Josephus, page 68, so that would be book 2, chapter 9, 
And I'm going to read paragraph six. It says, whereupon it was that Termedius imposed this name Moses or Moses upon him from what had happened when he was put into the river. For the Egyptians called water by the name of Mo, and such are as are saved out of it by the name of Usis. So by putting these two words together, they imposed this name upon him. And he was, by the confession of all, according to God's prediction, as well for his greatness of mind as for his contempt of difficulties, the best of all the Hebrews from Abraham, was his for Abraham was his ancestor of the seventh generation. So, what Josephus is bringing out, bringing out, is how Moses was named, and how he was the seventh of his generation, going all the way back to Abraham. All right, I want everybody to get that, understand that. Now we're gonna jump over to paragraph seven. Prometheus, therefore, perceiving him to be so remarkable a child, talking about Moses, adopted him for her son. So this is Pharaoh's daughter, and this was her name, Thermetheus. It says, having no child of her own, and when one time she had carried Moses to her father, she showed him to him and said she thought to make him her father's successor. If it should please God, she should have no legitimate child or her of her own, and said to him, I have brought up a child who is of a divine form and of a generous mind. And as I have received him from the bounty of the river in a wonderful manner, I thought proper to adopt him for my son and the heir of thy kingdom. Now you got to ask yourself this. KRS brought this up years ago in the song called Why Is That? How was Moses a white boy if he passed as the Pharaoh's grandson and we know that the Egyptians are black people? All right? Certain stuff like that, man, we just completely read over. So it's letting you know, like I said, man, people of color. Reading on, it says, and when she had said this, she put the infant into her father's hand. So he took him and hugged him close to his breast and on his daughter's account in a pleasant way. But his diadem, I'm sorry, put his diadem upon his head. But Moses threw it down to the ground. A diadem is a crown. So Pharaoh put the crown on Moses' head. Moses took it off his head and threw it on the ground. Um, Pharaoh moved. He, he wept. He weathered it round and and trod upon it with his feet. So he stepped on it. He threw it and he stomped on it, which seemed to bring along with it an evil presage concerning the kingdom of Egypt. But when the sacred scribe saw this, he was the same person who foretold that this uh, nativity would bring the dominion of the kingdom low. He made a violent attempt to kill him, and crying out in a frightful manner, he said, This old king, this child, is he of whom God foretold. 
that if we kill him, he shall be in he shall we shall be in no danger. He himself affords an attestation to the prediction of the same thing. By this trampling upon thy government and treading upon thy diadem. So what he's saying is this dude is going to be the fall of our kingdom, this Moses. And we read on in the story of Exodus, which lets you know that they didn't kill him. But Moses knew who he was. Moses knew he was a Hebrew. He didn't want to be part of the Egyptians. Now, let's get that in Hebrews. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. You got to love the Bible, man. The Bible is a puzzle. But you got to know how to put the puzzle together. So Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to start at verse 23, y'all. I might go a little over, man. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months. So it's talking about Moses in the New Testament, right? But if you don't have the Old Testament, you'll know who the hell is talking about. So I'm reading in verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Because remember, they was killing uh, male children of the Hebrew Israelites. Verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Y'all see that, right? This goes hand in hand what we read in Exodus, what we read in Josephus, all of us going together. Moses refused to be called the Pharaoh's uh, grandson, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, which was who? The Hebrew Israelites, his people. It says, then to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. So Moses chose to suffer with his people rather than be looked at or counted as an Egyptian. All right? Once again, people of color but not the same. Hope everybody's getting this. Let's go to Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1. Still dealing with Moses. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1. And this is when, uh, matter of fact, Verse 1 is going to tell you. Exodus 4 and 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me. So this is when Moses was speaking to the burning bush and um, confronted by uh, the bush. And the bush was telling him, Hey, man, look, go and tell your people that I'm sending you to deliver them out of bondage. So that's the backdrop. Now, I'm going to read verse 4. I'm sorry, chapter 4 and verse 1 again. And Moses answered and said, But, behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord had not appeared unto thee. So Moses like, Man, they're not going to believe me. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thy hand? And he said, Arise. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thy hand. And listen to this, y'all. That's what I want to get to. He said, Put forth thy hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod of his hand. I'm sorry, y'all. That ain't the verse, but I'm getting to it. Verse 5. 
that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob had appeared unto thee. Now, this is the part I want to get to, for real. Verse 6. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thy hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. Reading it in context, y'all, lets us know when it says leprous, what color it is. Because it says as snow. What color is snow? Snow is white. So if Moses was a white man, how could his hand turn into white? That wouldn't make sense. That wouldn't be a sign for him to go back and tell the people, hey, God sent me. That wouldn't be a sign for Moses to uh, accept the fact that he that he was dealing with the God of his people, that it was actually the God of his people, because his hand would be the same color if he was a white boy. We got to think about this. We, we read the Bible. We read straight over stuff like this. This is important. I'm going to read it again. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, put now thy hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. So Moses' hand just turned what color? White. Now listen to this, verse 7. And he said, put thy hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again, the second time, right, and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again, again, as his other flesh. Meaning what? He got his color back. He got his color back. When you see the word leprous, it means that your skin, your pigment turns white. This is where the term leprosy comes from. Leprosy means for your skin to turn white. And we've seen, brothers and sisters, you know how they be having those little patches of white on their body, and then it, and it spreads and it takes over the whole body? That's leprosy, y'all. That's what leprosy is. They got models now that, that model. They got leprosy all over their body, man. They think it's beautiful, but that ain't nothing good. I'm going to prove it. Let's go to Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. And let me start at verse 10. So just because I don't have a lot of time, y'all, this is the punishment that the Most High put on Miriam. It says, And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. So leprosy, your skin turning white. You 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 losing your, uh, what they call it, melanin. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. So Miriam was white. Imagine if your color got taken from you, man, and you turned to a white boy. Like that movie back in the day, The Watermelon, the watermelon Man. It was a brother. He woke up, he was a white dude. Turned to a white dude. Scared the hell out of him. Imagine, you scared the hell out of you if you lost your damn skin color. Now, verse 11, listen to what Aaron said. And Aaron said unto Moses, At last, my Lord, I beseech thee. Beseech means to beg. Lay not this sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead. Because when you dead, what? You look pale, right? You look grayish. You look white. 
of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb, man. Even when you even when you born, you look that color. You ain't fully got your color in yet. You know how babies come out and they be real light and you can tell what color they gonna end up being if you look on their ears. You can see, oh, that's gonna be the original color. But the point being, Moses was a man of color, y'all. He was a black man. That's a fact. All right, let's get Exodus now, chapter 11 and verse 7. I'm going to keep proving it. 11, Exodus chapter 11, verse 7, and it reads, But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. So this was doing the ten plagues that the Most High said, that the Most High said he was making the difference between the Israelites and the Egyptians because they weren't the same people, y'all. We can't forget that, not the same people. So you might be looking kind of crazy and scratching your head saying, well, Tadipa, you making up stuff. There is no color in the Bible. Everybody is everybody. People are people. We all the same people. We all are red. Or we all, there's no such thing as race, but the human race. You might have heard that nonsense. So let's do a little comparison. So let's go to Job chapter 30. We're going to read verse 30. Hold on a second. Let me get my other one. So this is Job chapter 30 and verse 30. And it reads, my skin is black upon me, and my bones are burned with heat. Now, this is Job talking right now, right? So you might say, well, no, Job is not saying he's a black man. But actually, that is what Job is saying. Job is saying he's a black man. He says bones burn with heat. I mean, he's a black man catching hell. We're very synonymous with this. If you live in this country or any country around the world and you're a black man, you're catching hell. But some might say, no, it ain't saying that Job's saying he's a black man and catching hell. So I'm going to read the same verse, the same passage out of the NIV. So the national, uh, what is it? The national, I forgot what it stands for. Uh, let me see if it's in here. The New International Version, that's what it stands for. So it's the New International Version of the Bible. Go to the same verse, same chapter, Job 30 and verse 30. Now watch this. My skin grows black and peels. My body burns with fever. I'm not making this up, y'all. If you have an NIV, please turn there and look. So if Job is not a black man, why is, are they changing the scripture in Job chapter 30 and verse 30 in the NIV Bible if he's not a black man? Why? Okay, but that's not it. Hold on. So let's go to uh, Songs of Solomon. Let's do King James Version first. And remember uh, the book we read by Jay Rogers, he even said that Solomon has been depicted as a white boy, but in his own book, 
He said he was black, clearly. So let's go to Songs of Solomon. I'm going to read verse 1 first. So you see Solomon wrote this. So Songs of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 1. The Songs of Songs, which is Solomon's. So Solomon wrote this. Now I'm jumping down to verse 5. Watch this. I am black, but calmly, O daughters of Jerusalem. The word calmly means beautiful. So Solomon says here clearly that he's a black man and that he's beautiful. Hope everybody's seeing this, taking notes. Now let's get the NIV, same scripture. Songs of Solomon. I'm going to read verse 1 first in the NIV. Solomon's Song of Songs, right? I'm going to jump down to verse 5. Dark am I, yet lovely. Okay. They did say dark. They just said dark, but they didn't say black. I'll give I'll give them credit for that one. I'll give them credit. So let's get Jeremiah chapter fourteen verse two out of the regular King James sixteen eleven. I call it regular because it's the most accurate. Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 2, and it reads, Judah mourned, and the gates are of language. They are black unto the ground, and the cry of Jerusalem has gone up. So what this scripture is saying is that Judah, which is where we get the word Jew from, the tribe of the Judites are mourning, it says, and the gates are of language, which means gates is talking about uh, leadership, and it says language, meaning the leadership of black people that got weak. All right, it's basically what it's saying. But the part I want to hone in on is it says that they are black unto the ground, meaning that the Jews are black. All right, the Jews are black, not white. So let's get Jeremiah chapter fourteen and verse two out of the NIV, and let's see what it's saying here. Because you might say, well, it ain't talking about that they black, the Jews are black, classify. Let's read this. Jeremiah 14, 2 out of the NIV. Judah mourned, or Judah, Judah mourns her city's language. They well for the land, and a cry goes up from Jerusalem. Y'all notice anything? It didn't say nothing about them being black. Did y'all see that? I'm going to read it again. Jeremiah 14 and 2 out of the NIV. Judah mourns her city's language. They wait for the land, and the cry goes up from Jerusalem. So if it's not saying in Jeremiah 14 and 2 in the King James Version, Judah mourns and the gates are of language. They were blackened to the ground, and the cry of Jerusalem has gone up. If this verse is not saying that the Jews are black, then why would they change it in the NIV? Got to ask yourself that. So let's stay in the book of Jeremiah, man. And let's get Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 21. So Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 21. And it reads, For the hurt of the daughter of my people am I hurt. I am black. Astonishment has taken hold on me. This is Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is saying that he's black. 
Now, if he's black and he's hurting for the daughter of his people, what color would that make the daughter of his people? But black, right? Let's read the same scripture out of the NIV, Jeremiah 8, 21. Since my people are, cur- are cursed, I'm oh, sorry, since my people are crushed, I am crushed. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 21, out of the NIV says, since my people are crushed, I am crushed. Notice it didn't even talk about the daughter of his people, and it didn't mention him being black. It didn't mention him being black. So if it's not saying Jeremiah is black in the 1611 King James Version, then why would they remove it from the NIV version? All right, y'all. So let's get, we'll stay in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 12, and read verse 9. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 9. My heritage is unto me as a speckled bird. So Jeremiah is talking about your heritage. Your heritage is your lineage, where you come from. He said, my heritage is unto me as a speckled bird. All right? Now, think about a speckled bird, y'all. Many different shades of what color? Well, we're going to read the same verse out of the NIV. Chapter 12, and what verse is that? Uh, verse 9. Uh, the NIV, here we go. Has not my inheritance become to me like a speckled bird of prey? <laughs> there are other birds of prey surround and attack. What the hell? That ain't what it say. But you see how they put the speckled bird in there, but they threw it in there with something negative. Like, black is always attributed to some negative. You don't believe me, look it up in a dictionary. If it's not saying in Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse 9 in the 1611 King James Version, if it's not saying that Jeremiah and his relatives are black, then why would they change it in the NIV, man? Ask yourself these questions. Things that make you go, hmm, right? Now, Let's get Job chapter 30, and matter of fact, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't want to do that? Yeah, I do want to do that. Give me a second, y'all. I'll be right back. Romans 2 and 5, righteous judgment of the Most High, who will yep. render unto every man according to his nope. deeds, to them who by patience, continuing yep. some well-doing seat, nope. for glory and honor, and immorality, yep. eternal life, but unto them that are nope. contentious, and do not obey the yep. truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Uh, Great blue yep. You an African American? Nope. You believe that's your heritage? Yep. Do you know who you are? Nope. King, queen? Nigga with back? Nope. Do you shine like a star? Yep. Think they gon' tell you? Nope. We gon' explode. Yep. Yeah. They gon' take your life? Nope. So many secrets in the vault? Yep. Do this knowledge count? Nope. Hop in the book to my? Yep. Do we follow these laws? Nope. Do they still exist? Yep. Have time to wait? Nope. Do we have grace? Yep. Continue in sin? Nope. I'ma ask you again. Yep. Should we continue in sin? Everybody got 
Alright, y'all, I'm back. So let's go to um where was I at? Let's go to Job chapter thirteen and verse four. Let's go to Job chapter thirteen and verse four. You might ask yourself, man, why? Why did they do this? Well, they did this, y'all, to conceal our our, our identity. Like the old saying, man, they said, if you want to hide something from a nigga, put it in the book. But they messed up, and they started letting us read. So then we started reading. We started getting books. Now I got to change stuff up. So this is Job chapter 13, verse 4. It says, but ye are forges of lies. Ye are physicians of no value. So... It's talking about a group of people that created lies for us to believe that we were not the true people of the Bible, that we were not God's chosen people. They created this, y'all. They forged these lies together by what their imagery. We already read it. I read it in uh, J.A. Rogers' book, um, Sex and Race, how all the portraits of biblical figures are white. That that's, It's not a coincidence They force those lies Because they know Even though we can read A lot of us don't read man We'll go and we, we'll look at the pictures We want the picture books If we gotta read something It's like reading becomes our kryptonite man Now let's get uh, Jeremiah 16 And verse 19 I think I am going to go a little over, y'all. Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 19, and it reads, O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge, in the day of affliction, the Gentiles, meaning the other nations, shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth. So the Gentiles can come unto the Lord from the ends of the earth, from all over, and shall say, surely, our fathers have inherited lies. It means what? It means that the so-called white man, their people, their nation, they've been inheriting lies, been passed down from generation to generation, from century to century. It says vanity and things wherein there is no profit. And we about to uncover this lie that they've been handed down. Let's get uh, Isaiah chapter 29. In verse 22, which is the title of my class, by the way. Isaiah 29 and verse 22, and it reads, Therefore, thus said the Lord, listen to this, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob. Jacob shall not. Now, Jacob, remember, Jacob was an actual man whose name was changed to Israel. He had 12 sons, and his 12 sons make up the nation of Israel. So when it talks about Jacob, it's talking about Israel and the nation of Israel. I'm going to read this again so we understand. Therefore, thus said the Lord, who redeemed Abraham, concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not now be ashamed, neither shall his face now Wax pale Meaning what The Israelites were never going to be white people Y'all Pale is white It said that we're never going to be white people Now let's get it out of NIV Just to be fair So y'all don't say Tyler Pye's reaching Making stuff up 
as I'm sure some some of y'all probably already even said it. But truth is truth, man. So you can call me anti whatever, but you you can't fight against the truth, man. So Jeremiah chapter twenty nine verse no Isaiah I'm tripping Isaiah twenty nine. And verse 22 out of the NIV, and it reads, uh, Therefore, this is what the Lord, who redeemed Abraham, says to the house of Jacob. No longer will Jacob be ashamed. No longer will their faces grow pale. (laughs) No longer will their faces grow pale. Now, when it says in uh, the... the, uh, King James Version, wax pale, the word wax means to get. I mean, their faces won't get pale. But it says grow pale in the NIV. Okay, I guess I'll give you that. But it's still telling the truth that the Israelites' faces was never going to turn white, man. That's not possible. With that understanding, let's get Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 2. Let's go back there, y'all. And I'm going somewhere with this. Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 2, we read it again out of the King James Version. It says, Judah mourned and the gates thereof language. They were black unto the ground, and the crowd of Jerusalem is going up. So we find out here that the Jews are black. All right? We've got to understand that. Now let's get Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7 now. All right, y'all. So I am going to go a little over. So if you um, get cut off on the phone, just call back in. I'll still be going. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 14. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. Now, when it says our Lord is talking about Christ, when it says sprang out, it means that Christ is from the tribe of Judah. Okay? So we already established that the Jews, according to Jeremiah 14:2, are people of color, black folks, right? So Christ sprang out of those same people. So wouldn't he look like those people? Wouldn't that make him a man of color? Absolutely. Let's prove it in Revelation chapter 1. So let's go to Revelations now. Chapter 1. And we're going to get verse 1 first. All right. So Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, and it reads, the, revel- the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation means to reveal. So we're revealing something that was not known. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to she unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So John the Revelator wrote the book of Revelations, and this revelation or this revealing he was given, it was given to him by God, by the Most High. So in Revelations, it was revealed to him what Christ looked like. Now watch this. And of course, he knew what he already looked like because he traveled with him because this is the same John that was one of the disciples. But the scripture says the things are written for time, written for our learning. 
the records were left in case somebody would lie about the color of the original people of the Bible. Now watch this. Verse, let's start at verse 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girded about the paths with a golden girdle. Now, I wanted to give verse 13 because a lot of people say, well, Christ was a spirit and he didn't have a body. I'm not wear clothes. That's the 92nd mark, y'all, but I'm going to keep going. I'm not seeing the spirit wear clothes. So that dispels that, right? Verse 14, it says his head and his hairs were white, so it gives the color, meaning fully gray, like wool texture. Who are the only people that have woolly hair in the world? That would be so-called black people, right? They call it nappy <laughs> hair. They got all these um, hair, hair types now. But it's woolly hair, our hair. It says it's white as snow, gray as snow, and his eyes are like a lamp of flame, uh, I'm sorry, a flame of fire. And his feet, listen to this. So we got the hair texture. Now we're actually getting to skin color. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burn in the furnace, and his voice has the sound of many waters. So it's describing Jesus Christ, the anointed Savior, and it says here that his feet were like brass. Brass is the derivative of brown, but it says you burn this brown. You burn anything in a furnace, what color is it going to turn? It's going to turn black. It's letting us know that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the Israelites, is a man of color. He's a black man, y'all. So this is what they've been trying to hide. This is the, these are the lies that they've been forging. These are the lies that they've inherited that has been handed down from generation to generation to where now it's handed down to our people even, to where now we believe the depiction of Christ that's been put up for centuries that he was a man of color. He was a, a blonde-haired hippie with blue eyes. That is not accurate, man. By no way, form, or fashion is that accurate. Come on, man. Did I lose my connection? Oh, right, there we go. All right, y'all. Now we will go to the book of Daniel, chapter 10 and verse 2. I'm sorry. Do I want to start there? Yeah, let's go there. Let's get some background. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three, four weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the fourth and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hedekiah, Hedekel, then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen. Now this man, we will find out, was Christ, whose loins were girt with fine gold of Euphrates. It sounds just like the description that John the Revelator got. His body also was like the barrel, meaning the garment he had on was green. That's what the word barrel means. And his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, just like it said in Revelation. And his arms, now remember Revelation, he only got his feet. But now Daniel was getting his arms and his feet, watch this, like in color to polished brass. 
and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. It lets you know it's the same description from Revelations. But what I want to bring out is since his arms and his feet was as in color to polished brass. Polished brass is finished brass. The way you finish brass is you burn it. You got to burn the rest of the impurities out of it. Just like it said in Revelations, burned in the furnace. If you burn anything in the furnace, what colors are going to turn? Black. But people will lie to you and tell you that God doesn't see color. When we read in this verse clearly, it says his arms and his feet were in color like to polished brass, meaning he was a man of color. Or remember what they used to call us back in the day before we was called black? Oh, he's a colored man. Christ was a colored man. He was a man that had color, is a man that has color. So is his nation. So is his people. They'll tell us things like God don't see color when God created the rainbow. God don't see color when God made the sky blue. God don't see color when he made grass green. Come on, man. They, be, they tell us so many lies. They'll piss on our heads and tell us that it's raining. All right, y'all. So let me get... Uh, let me see. Yeah, let's get Sex and Race Volume 1 again at page 91. I'm going to read that again. Oh, man, let me get it. How much time I'm going to go? I'm going to go a couple more minutes, y'all, and then I'm going to shut it down. So I want to get this because this ties into another book. So I'm going to read uh, Sex and Race. Volume 1, page 91 again. European painters and sculptors, by their use of white models to typify biblical characters, have falsified tremendously the physiology of the ancient Jews. We are familiar with the scores of portraits offered to us as Christ. So I want to get to. But do good Christians ever stop to think what he really looked like? Josephus, first century historian, describes him as a dark-skinned and simple in appearance in the halotis suppressed portion of his works. Once again, meaning that they removed it. When it says suppressed, the word halotis means gathered. So his gathered works in description of Christ was suppressed. Suppressed means to take out, to do away with. And I looked through the Josephus for that description of Christ, and I never found it, y'all. I never found it. And I was like, man, is J.A. Rogers lying or what? But finding out, it was took out of the Josephus. But J.A. Rogers wrote about it, and Nature Knows No Color Line. So we're going to go there to Nature Knows No Color Line, page 40. Now, watch this, y'all. So, nature knows no color line. Come on, man. Verse 40. I'm sorry, page 40. Here we go. Um, here we go. There it is. It says, the earliest traditions of he, savior of mankind, from the Buddhist to Jesus, depict them as black or dark-skinned. So, and I went over this in a 
uh, class I did before talking about uh, goddesses and the worship of goddesses, the mother and child worship in particular. This is what it's talking about. It says, from Buddhists to Jesus, depict them as black. Some of all the saviors of the world, because all nations have a mother and child, but that goes back to Nimrod and Semiramis and all that other wickedness. So it says, or dark skin, see section race, volume one, and then he lists page numbers. It says, earliest R says that Josephus, Jewish historian of the first century, said that Christ was a man of simple appearance, mature age, dark skin. Hope y'all see that dark skin, with little hair, about four and a half feet tall, hunchback with a long face, an undeveloped beard. So y'all hear this? So this was the <laughs> the picture of Christ. This is how he looked. This is how Josephus described him. He says this appearance in the reconstructed or origins, halotis. Is the word again, right? Uh, second, it says the earliest Christians, he says, accepted that picture. So the earliest Christians, Christians accepted the picture because it was the truth. It says including Tertullian and Augustine, but that the Halotus underwent, so the gathered works about Christ's description, underwent the usual corrections at the hands of Christian copyists with a view to embellishment. The Christians had gained power. They had become mighty. Christ had become a king, and it would no longer suit to portray him as unimpressive in appearance. You see this? The original text says Aesler would give offense to believing Christians and their Hellenistic idea of male beauty. Now, Hellenistic, that came in under Alexander the Greek or Alexander the Great around 333 B.C. Y'all can look this up. The word Hellenist comes from the, from the Greek, with, with, where the word means, means Greek, basically. When it says Hellenistic idea, this was uh, Alexander coming to power 333 B.C., was a so-called white man's rise into power. And what he did was every nation and people that he conquered, he forced his ideology on him, including his white standard of beauty. So this is what it's saying right here. The original text says Esler would give offense to believing Christians and their Hellenistic idea of male beauty. Therefore, they changed the pen picture of Christ to ruddy, Six feet high, well-groomed, vulnerable, erect, handsome, blue eyes, beautiful mouth, corpus beard. So this this is when we get the, the portrait of Christ now being a white boy. I hope everybody is getting this. I'm reading on verse 41. I'm sorry, page 41. A portrait of Christ entirely apocryphal and with absolutely no foundation in truth. Here it is, no foundation in truth, was conceived somewhere along the line by a European artist according to European ideas of beauty, and that seems to have served 
as concept for thousands of pictures that since followed. Since the first one or ones were entirely the product of imagination, it follows that all the rest are. Their only value is artistic. I hope everybody is listening to this. All right, so let me get another book, which goes into the exact same thing we're talking about. Uh, Let me see. Now, this book is entitled, matter of fact, before I get that, let's go to Matthew chapter 2. I want to bring this out. Go to Matthew chapter two, and you know what? I'm gonna just I'm gonna end it with Matthew, and I'm gonna come back next week and get this book. It's gonna blow y'all mind. So we already got in the Bible how Jesus Christ was a man of color. We even got a secular source saying the same thing. Now let's get clues to identify that Christ was in fact a man of color. So let's get Matthew chapter 2 and start at verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, Christ's father, in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. Now, the reason they were going to flee into Egypt, because remember, Herod was killing all the male children that was born at this time, two and under. He was killing them. So an angel told Christ, Christ's father, Joseph, to take Christ and his mama and go to Egypt. Egypt is in Africa. Now, why would he go to Egypt? He went to Egypt to hide out. Amongst who? Amongst other dark-skinned people. We already established that. If Christ was a white boy, how the hell could he hide in Egypt? He would stick out like a sore thumb. It says, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And we're going to get into Herod. When we come back, and those people, those imposters running around calling themselves Jews, we're going to go into the origin of how that even happened, y'all. So I want to thank everybody for joining in, listening to the show. I want to say the water to Mashallah for hooking up the broadcast, sending shouts out to Israel 12 tribes worldwide, man. And until next time, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please tune in to Taza Pie Tuesdays, Taza Pie Tuesdays, Taza Pie Tuesdays every Tuesday. The water, y'all. With that, I'm going to say Shalom. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.